Hi, this is Mark. I'm one of the senior pastors from Hope Church Malmesbury. I want to personally thank you for downloading or listening online to this sermon cast from Hope Church. We, we share these messages because they really spoke to us. We value their, their content and uh, the anointing that's upon them. And I pray that they bring a fresh revelation of God's love for you today. And if you're able to support the work of Hope Church and the cost of sharing these messages online, then you can go to our website, www.thehope.church give and follow the instructions on that page. And if you're every mum's on a Sunday morning, you will always receive a very warm welcome at Hope Church. And now, let's join today's message. Good morning. Today we're going to continue our journey back in time through the ancestors of Jesus as listed in the book of Luke chapter 3. And we've now reached the first of the three possibly most important ancestors as their names are literally used by God as a description of who he is. Who is he? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. So today we're going to take a closer look at the biblical patriarch, Jacob. Now I say it like this because my son is also called Jacob and frankly it sounded weird to just say we're going to take a closer look at Jacob. Nobody wants that, least of all Jake. (laughs) You can find the story of Jacob spanning Genesis chapters 25 to 49. Here is his first mention by name. This is Genesis 25 verses 24 to 26. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel, so he was named Jacob. I encourage you to read the full story of Jacob for yourself because I won't have time to cover it all. The name Jacob means supplanter. To supplant means to oust someone from their position and replace them. The biblical account I've just uh, read to you says that Jacob was named this because of grasping the heel of his twin brother in the birth canal. It's almost like he was trying to pull his brother out of the way to get past him and be born first. Supplanter. Truthfully, This bothered me when I was choosing my son's name, as I think names can be significant. Here's my son's wristband, his baby wristband. It reads, baby boy faithful. You probably can't see that. Because we couldn't settle on a name. It actually took us several days to figure out what to call our precious baby boy. I'm an overthinker. The reason I didn't jump at the name Jacob was because I knew its meaning, supplanter, and I just didn't want to cast him with that role in life. But God reminded me that the biblical Jacob was the one that fathered the 12 tribes of Israel. He is the one that actually fulfills the promise given to his grandfather Abraham to birth a nation. Biblical Jacob's name was changed to Israel. The whole Israelite nation is named after his new name. But even though God himself changed Jacob's name to Israel, 
it is still the original name, Jacob, that is used whenever God is referred to. The Bible never records him as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. But in a dozen or more different scriptures throughout the word of God, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. You know, Jacob's name was not rejected by God. The name Jacob was not only held in high esteem, but it belonged to a man who had many redeeming qualities despite his many faults. Like most of us, right? You know, a name can be important, but it's not everything. Don't be held back by your name. If it feels like your name has potential to hold you back, reframe your name. Today, you're going to hear more about the biblical Jacob and you will see that the birth character trait that caused him to be called supplanter may actually be a positive part of his character too. My son Jacob has turned out to be an awesome young man. He is most certainly not a supplanter, but he is a faithful young man, exactly as his wristband recorded. I look forward to seeing how God will continue to bless this young man who is named after one of the key ancestors of Jesus and descriptions of God. Now, as I said before, if you're not familiar with his story, you should certainly read Jacob's full story in Genesis. But today there are four main moments that jump out from his story that I want to point out to you. And they can all be summed up by the word grab. Number one, Jacob grabs the heel of his brother Esau. Number two, Jacob grabs Esau's birthright and blessing. Number three, Jacob is grabbed by his uncle Laban. And number four, Jacob grabs on to God. Now, we already read that as Jacob appeared in the world, in his very birth, he was born hanging on to the leg of his twin Esau. And there were signs of this even before birth. When his mother, Rebecca, was pregnant, we read this, Genesis 25, verse 22 to 23. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. You know, when you don't know something, why something is happening to you, go and inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Now, this prophecy from God to Jacob's mother was played out further when Jacob steals his brother's birthright and then his blessing years later. Jacob certainly ousted Esau from his rights as the firstborn. In fact, when it comes to his brother Esau, Jacob did live up to his supplanter name meaning. You know, we're often the worst version of ourselves with our siblings, aren't we? 
But to be fair to Jacob, when you read the story, you will notice that Esau was weak and fleshly in the way he dealt with his position in life. In Genesis 25, we read how the young man Esau sold his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. You know, his stomach feeling full was more important to him than his godly apportioned birthright. But Jacob recognised the value of the birthright. The birthright was both material and spiritual. You know, the one with the birthright received a double portion of inheritance and would become head of the family after their father died. Esau had no regard for the birthright and he discarded it easily to satisfy his flesh. Truthfully, I think once Esau had done that, he could never be God's man to carry out the promise from grandfather Abraham. And God knew this about Esau before either of the twins was born. Many years later, in Genesis 27, we read the story of Jacob trying tricking, sorry, his father Isaac into imparting the blessing upon him, the blessing that Isaac had intended for Esau. But if you ask me, that was a done deal when Esau sold his birthright. Now this is the blessing that Jacob received from his father, Genesis 27 verses 28 to 29. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness, an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord of your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Nice blessing, right? (laughs) Yes, Jacob grabbed Esau's heel at birth. Yes, Jacob grabbed Esau. Esau's birthright and blessing. But Esau did not deserve it either. As you can see, the story of Jacob is a series of grabbing what he wants. But it's also about to change around because, you know, God actually invented the what goes around comes around principle. Jesus said in Matthew 7 verse 12, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. Because Galatians 6 verse 7 tells us God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. In other words, the grabber Jacob was about to be grabbed big time. So let's go back to the story. Esau was quite understandably angry with Jacob. And so Jacob decided to leave. As the carrier of the blessing handed down from Abraham to start God's nation which would be called the Israelites, remember? He needed to find a wife that wasn't from the sinful nations around where they lived. So his mother, Rebecca, sent him to her brother, his uncle Laban. This way he could escape Esau's wrath and find a suitable wife. Now on his journey, Jacob had a very significant encounter with God that I don't want to skip over. Now it's most commonly known as Jacob's ladder. But when my son Jake was little, it was actually his very favourite Bible story. And he called it Jacob and the Wolf. 
because the children's Bible book we read it from added in some atmosphere to the story by having the distant scary sounds of howling wild animals to build the scene. Yow! Jacob was alone. My son knew the story off by heart. Bless him. He would recite it as I read it to him. Anyway, here it is from a more grown-up version of the Bible. I'm using the ESV. Genesis 28 verses 11 to 15. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed." Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. A couple of things happened here. One is that Jacob saw a ladder with an opening into heaven with angels going up and down it. In John 1, verse 51, we read Jesus make this statement. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Jesus made it clear that he is the access to heaven. He is the means by which heaven comes down to us and by which we can go up to heaven. Jesus, the descendant of Jacob, Jesus, the Messiah, is the ladder. Jacob saw what his descendant Jesus, nearly 2,000 years later, would describe. Listen, guys. We only have access to heaven because of Jesus. You know, like a wooden ladder, he was raised up on a cross. His arms stretched out as our rung to climb into heaven. Jesus is our only access to the blessings of heaven. If you do not know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, you do not have access to heaven. If you do not recognise his death as a gift for you to give you direct access to God in heaven, then do not be surprised when your prayers seem to hit a ceiling and bounce off. Don't say, I've tried praying and nothing happened. Well, simply put, you do not have access to heaven without Jesus as your ladder. 
The second thing we can take from that encounter Jacob had in the night was that God actually confirmed his promise over Jacob. Now, the story so far has shown us that Jacob is grabbing at what does not rightfully belong to him, the birthright, the blessing. And yet, God promises now here in this scripture to Jacob that these are promises over him. God confirms the promise over him. God is faithful and his promises are yes. And we just say amen and receive them. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We do not deserve a free pass to climb up the Jesus ladder and spend time with God in heaven. Yet God says yes and promises us that it is so. All we can do is receive by coming into the amen, the agreement. God doesn't reject Jacob because of his sometimes questionable methods of gaining the promise. He honours Jacob, who has actually demonstrated true value in what is truly valuable. Jesus told parables showing that the kingdom of heaven is valuable, like treasure hidden in a field, he says. A man who understands the value sells all he has in order just to buy that field with the treasure in it. And there's a parable about a woman who sweeps her entire house looking for one specific coin until she finds it. And then she invites her neighbours over to rejoice with her. The kingdom of heaven, access to almighty God's throne room. God's blessings coming down upon us. God's communication with you in daily life is worth way more than a bowl of stew. Nothing satisfies as much as that connection with God that we can only have through Jesus. So, if you want that open heaven, that free-flowing communication with God, it is actually yours to grab today. (laughs) Maybe you're realising that you need to accept Jesus as your ladder and access to heaven. Well, if so, we're not going to hang about. It's time to grab right now what you see that you know has value. Pray this prayer with me now. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Make me right in God's sight. Wash me, cleanse me, set me free. Fill me with your Holy Spirit to help me live out your plans for me. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm forgiven and I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. Amen. That's it. You have access to heaven. Let's continue with Jacob's story. He arrives at his uncle Laban's and falls in love with Laban's daughter, Rachel. So Laban makes a deal with Jacob to work for him, for seven years to earn Rachel's hand in marriage. And Jacob does this happily and the word says that it went by very quickly. 
But this is where the trickster Jacob reaps what he sowed. Laban actually tricks him into taking Rachel's less attractive older sister Leah as his wife. You can read about it in Genesis 29. Laban is now grabbing the grabber Jacob because he makes him work for another seven years to have Rachel as his wife as well. I haven't delved into much detail here because it is what happens as Jacob gets ready to leave Uncle Laban that I really want to share with you. So let's go to it. In Genesis chapter 30, Jacob makes an agreement with Laban to leave with his wives and children and his wages of all the many years in Laban's service will be the spotted, speckled and striped goats and sheep from the flocks he has been caring for all these years. But again, Laban tries to trick Jacob. This time, he goes out and removes all the spotted, striped and speckled males from the flock so that there will not be more spotted, striped and speckled uh, sheep and goats born, right? But Jacob, with God's help, turns it around. Genesis 30 verses 37 to 39. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plane trees and he peeled white streaks in them exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the troughs that is the watering places where the flocks came to drink and since they bred when they came to drink the flocks bred in front of the sticks and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled and spotted. This story from Jacob's life is incredible and it's so weird, right? (laughs) But Jacob here is illustrating a faith principle that we could all benefit from. Now Jacob sets up what he wants the sheep to produce. He surrounds them with the vision and then they just produce naturally the desired outcome. Did you get that? What you lay your eyes upon matters. What you think about, what you focus on matters. Surround yourself with the vision and you will naturally produce the desired outcome. I get quite irritated when people who don't know Jesus talk about manifesting what they want. You know, there's quite a common thought in non-Christian circles these days that if you keep the vision of what you want before you, the universe will be pulled like a magnet to deliver it to you. But wait, if people are believing that no almighty power behind it, no God involved, just a strong desire, they can somehow magically pull good things their way. Well, how much more can we, the children of the Most High God, his chosen and beloved ones, the apple of his eye, and that is you, my friend, how much more should we expect the blessings of our God-given vision to be manifested in our lives? Come on, I am preaching to someone here today. You know, I think we've been sold several damaging Christian lies And I want to call them out today 
So, number one, Christians should not want things. God provides for our needs and want is surplus. Yes, but God wants to bless us over and above our needs. Our daily bread is seen to, but scripture shows time and time again a God who goes beyond need. You know, he desires to bless. Matthew 7 verse 7 to 11, Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? And 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 to 12, tells us, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. You will be enriched in every way, to be generous in every way. Let's look at the second lie I want to call out today. The word of faith, and name it and claim it, is a strange sect of the Christian faith. Yes, to a certain extent, these things have been blown out of proportion and they have been focused too heavily upon by some teachers. But actually, God tells us to believe and to speak. Now, many of us in repelling things like word of faith type teachings, have gone too far the other way. Now we can't believe for any breakthrough. And the promises of God seem wishy-washy. And we don't declare the promises of God over our situation in case it puts us into that kooky set. You know, stop with the labels. We need to stop with the labels, guys. In the Christian realm, we need to stop it. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, a conviction of things you cannot see yet. That's what faith is. Ephesians 3 verse 20 declares that God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. And Mark 11 
23 to 24, Jesus said this. He said, truly, I say to you, not falsely, I say to you. He said, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. These scriptures are in the Bible, guys. These scriptures are there. You have to hold them in balance with the rest of the word. You can't discard them. They are there and they mean what they say. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. And in some translations that says to prosper you. Plans to prosper you, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jacob's story of the speckled sheep is not about need, it's about prosperity. You know, God prospered Jacob's acts of faith. God prospered Jacob. Go read it. He was wealthy. Make no mistake. And get over the word prosperity. It's not a swear word. If God prospers you, then you're actually in a better position to bless others. Do you know why Hope Church does not have a building or space of its own right now? Because we lack the prosperity to be able to purchase something. Did you know that in the UK, churches can meet? Even now, there's no longer any law to prevent us. We could be meeting today. But right now, Hope Church cannot make our own choices within the government guidelines because we have no access to a space big enough of our own. We have no choice. Think, what would change this? Well, frankly, several donations out of God's people's blessing and prosperity. God blesses us to be a blessing. Prosperity is not a bad word. It is part of God's kingdom plan. Hallelujah. The world functions on finance. You know, God's word, the Bible speaks loads and loads about money and tells us how to handle our wealth. Now, surely that is there because some of us might actually have some, right? <laughs> a calling to follow Jesus is not automatically a calling to poverty, as some would have you believe. The two are not hand in hand. If you are poor, in spirit, health or wealth. God is the answer. Literally, he is the only answer. And you know what? He promises that you, poor in spirit, will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is more than earthly riches, as I said before. So don't start unravelling and feeling less because of what I'm saying here. What I'm actually saying is that you, child of God, can believe and declare God's promises and keep the vision in front of you and expect your breakthrough and blessing because your faith is in a real God who knows you and loves you and loves to bless his children. 
This whole sermon is about how God grabbed, uh, sorry, how Jacob grabbed what he wanted. But as I draw towards the end, I just want to take that word grab, which has such a negative connotation on it. And I want to reframe it to the positive grab. Because when we grab God's promises, we quickly realize that a God grab means God releases awesome blessing. G-R-A-B. God releases awesome blessing. There are people in the world who do not know Jesus and testify to manifesting their prosperity through their own efforts, drawing the universe to fulfill their wishes. I want the people who belong to Jesus to see the manifestation of God in their lives, both spiritually and materially, just like Jacob's grabbed birthright. Children of God, it is our born-again birthright to live out God's blessing spiritually and materially. There is one last grab moment I want to share with you from Jacob's life. As he draws close to home, he sends his wives and children on ahead of him. And then this happens. Genesis 32 verses 24 to 30. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name will no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. A man comes and wrestles with Jacob. Then Jacob declares he has seen God face to face. It must be the pre-incarnate Jesus that Jacob is fighting with. Are you fighting with Jesus today? Is he trying to get through to you and change you, but you're wanting things your way? When I look at the entirety of scripture, I see many people of great faith argue or fight with God in one way or another. And newsflash, I don't think God is put off by your emotions. Let them rip if you need to. He can take it. And it's when you stop the stiff upper lip act and let him really see your raw self that you truly let him in. Jacob knew who he was wrestling with. Yet when he was told to let go, and even with a dislocated hip, he wouldn't let go. Jacob grabbed and held on to God. Why? Verse 26. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob grabbed at God until God blessed him. Now remember, God already blessed him years ago on the journey away from home with that ladder to heaven moment, remember? 
So you could say Jacob is greedy, but it paid off. God blessed him again. (laughs) James 4 verse 2 tells us you do not have because you do not ask. Guys, it's good to ask for what you want. And 1 Chronicles 4 verse 10 tells us about a man called Jabez. It says, Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. And God granted what he asked. Listen up. You have not because you ask not. If you want to be blessed, ask for it. The Bible records that Jacob walked away from that wrestling encounter with a limp. For the rest of his life, he had a reminder in his hip. He had physical discomfort. Now, physical discomfort is not usually a gift from God. But in this case, Jacob could know that it happened for real. Nobody would ever talk him out of his encounter. He had something real to show for his encounter with Jesus. Truthfully, though, an encounter with Jesus should leave us changed in some way. It's okay to not settle for less than something real. It's okay to hold on to God and ask him to bless you. This series is called The Promise and the Purpose. Our purpose is to live out and declare God's promises on earth. When we, the purposed ones, declare God's promises over situations, we change them. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And Ephesians 5 verse 1 says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. We have creative ability in our mouth and the way we speak. There is a spiritual born again birthright that accompanies us to have authority that I think we just do not fully understand. Luke 10 verse 19 to 20, Jesus said, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Keep what's important the most important. Keep the first thing first. Our name are written in heaven. We have access. That ladder, that opening to heaven is open to us. Keep the first thing first. You know, the Holy Spirit in you is way more powerful than you realize. You carry spiritual blessing and authority. It is your birthright just because you belong to Jesus, just because you are born again. Matthew 18 verse 18 to 20 says, truly I say to you, this is Jesus again saying it to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. We are gathered here today in his name. He is among us. Today, as I close, I want to give you some practical tips to move from just hearing today's word into putting it into action. So tip number one, if you are wrestling with Jesus about something, first of all, don't be afraid to do so. Don't be afraid to go to him with your disquiet When I was extremely unwell as a teenager, my mum, who was a relatively new Christian, was understandably upset with God about my struggle with disease. She used to walk the dog in a field alone, and apparently there was more than one time when she let rip 
and quite literally cried out to God. God is not put off by your emotion. Let him know how you feel and then let him bless you. Tip number two, surround yourself with God's promises. Just as Jacob surrounded the flock with the vision of what they were supposed to produce. You can do this by writing out Bible verses of promises on post-it notes and placing them at your water troughs. What do I mean by that? On the fridge, that's your water trough. And maybe the bathroom mirror, that works well. If you don't know God's promises, a quick Google will bring them up for you. You will get lists and lists of the things that God has promised to his people. A very natural transformation will take place when we place our thoughts and focus on what God has promised it to us. And tip number three, very simply, if you want to be blessed, ask for it. Jacob received double blessing. Jabez was granted what he asked for. God loves to bless us. So go ahead and grab for more from God. It's not greedy. It's desirable. It's what he loves to see in his children. Because the word grab can remind us that God releases awesome blessing. Let's invite him to do that today. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word to us today. I thank you that your word, Lord, your word in my mouth will not return empty. It will go out to accomplish what it was sent to do. As we read about the power of your word, God, in Isaiah 55 verse 11, you say, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Oh, may your word to us today accomplish all it was sent to do, Father God. And Jesus, I pray help us to be honest with you when we are struggling so that we do not keep you at arm's length. Today, I want to give you full and intimate access to my heart. Today, I ask for your help in those raw and difficult hurting places. I choose to be honest with you, God, because I know that there is no failure, no sin, no thought you don't already know. So let the truth be told. Father, I pray that you will reset our individual and corporate visions and that you will guide each one of us to your specific promises that we need to surround ourselves with. I pray that, that we will be transformed as we live out our purpose here and declare your promises over each and every area of struggle, struggle or lack that comes against us. We declare that the same spirit that Jesus that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us so we will live like it thank you Jesus amen amen now don't just switch off your computer and forget what I've been saying if you need to go and look up some promises of God go do it now if you need to start writing them out and putting them around your house, go do it now. If you need to go and have a chat with God about something that you're struggling with, 
go do it now. Don't put off the next part, the bit that comes after the message on a Sunday morning. Go live it out, guys. Have a great day. Have a great week because you are the blessed children of God. God bless you.